You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. It is so good to have real, live, breathing people in the room. I love this. Week number two. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to the people who are online this morning. God bless you for coming and, and being a part of our service. Susan's watching. Karen's watching. Martina's watching. Uh, Henry, who we just prayed for, fell off a ladder uh, trying to watch. Uh, Jamie's watching. And uh, so many others. Christina La- uh, Lajoie. Uh, Linda's watching. Judy. And uh, numbers of other people. Thank you. I understand there's some people down in our Overflow Auditorium as well. You're watching downstairs. And uh we give a couple of thump outs to you this morning, and uh, we just appreciate you being able to come and, and finding some space uh, that's socially distanced downstairs. So God bless you. Let me give you uh, a little bit of a missions update uh, really quickly before we jump into the Word this morning. Uh, we introduced to you Alareza and Atar, a couple originally from Iran who fled to Turkey uh, for their lives, literally, um, and they... Uh, it's just a really cool story. If you haven't heard it, you will hear it in future days of how our church got partnered uh, with them. They have a, just a powerful call of God on their life. Uh, they're busy seeing many, many Muslim people come to know Jesus uh, as they're uh, doing that in Turkey. But in order to, um, to just kind of follow what we're sensing and they're sensing, to come here to Cornwall. And uh, the, the Canadian government has said, yes, they can come. So we're really happy about that, and we're waiting for some details on their end. So love to be able to introduce you. Wouldn't it be neat if it happened in September, uh, if they got to go ahead on that end? So many cool things happening in September as we're just sensing the Lord's doing some great things in our midst. Eric Jakowitz and uh, Edelith send their greetings along with their family from Pueblo, Mexico. Uh, unfortunately, um, the report there is not a good report. Uh, as you're praying uh, for those that uh, we look to around the world that are laboring, and God's partnered our hearts with theirs, COVID has taken its toll. Uh, Pueblo, the city they're in, is the epicenter of the COVID numbers. Uh, they have lost uh, a number of their pastors that have passed away due to COVID, uh, leaving wives, families behind, um, and uh, it's just really in a difficult, difficult place, and yet they're believing that Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so let's uh, continue to pray for Edelith and um, Eric Jacobith in Pueblo, Mexico. Uh, we also um, talked to you about um, um, our work in Cuba and we were raising money to actually be able to purchase a home for a pastor, and those funds have been raised. <laughs> we get to buy a house for a pastor. I can't wait. Uh, we just have to wait for the borders to open up so that we can get those monies uh, there, there and they can go house shopping. So looking forward to that. All right, we're starting our new series, Practicing His Presence. Last week we kind of teed it up for you and called it Before We Begin. I just appreciate, let me say this as your pastor, I just so appreciate 
appreciate the spirit of prayer that was here in the room and online. We know you were joining with us in the comments, and I just so appreciate uh, a culture of prayer. We're going to continue building. We want to be known as a people who praise and uh, that worship and believe in God's power and miracles today. And so we're doing this series. We're setting this time aside to make the basics beautiful and realizing as Christ followers, we follow his tangible manifest presence. The Holy Spirit is alive today, working all over the world, but he's working here. Somebody say here. Come on. If there's an empty chair beside you, say here. We're going to fill that chair someday. We're going to get the spaces filled up. We're going to be able to do that. And, uh, and so we're just believing for God to move. In the Old Testament, as Joshua was moving the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized God's presence, he said to the people, get behind the presence. The presence of God, the ark was about to move. Get behind it. He said, because they were going to follow it, you've not been this way before. You've not been this way before. We've got to just get good with this. I'm, I'm having uh, difficulty, just like the prayer request this morning. I appreciate the honesty of people saying, hey, this is hard, and it is hard. Don't let anybody tell you it's not hard. It's hard. But in Christ, we can overcome. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able. And I just appreciated the candor of, of uh, and, and as Frankie said, you felt safe enough to share that request with us today. And I feel wherever, just pray wherever you are right now, you're sensing his presence. But we've not gone this way before. And so we need to follow his presence just like they did in the days of old. Well, for some of my life, <laughs> I was a teacher in a Christian day school in upstate New York. And I taught middle and high school science, all of the different uh, sciences. I have a degree in biology. I just love teaching kids science. And my granddaughters uh, and my grandsons get a little science lesson if they're outside with me. I'm always pointing to a plant or pointing to a bug or pointing to something and just helping them understand how awesome God's creation is. But uh, one of the science topics maybe that you can remember uh, is the water cycle. The water cycle. I, I just go back into your science days and probably looked at it for the first time in grade four, grade five, and uh, there was a picture of, of the ocean and the sun. The sun would shine, shine down on the ocean, and there would be evaporation, and then the clouds would form condensation in the clouds, and, and, uh, and then the cloud would move over to the land and cool down, and there would be precipitation in the form of snow or rain. And uh, we learned about the water cycle. Well, this month, and perhaps a little bit more into next month, as we talk about practicing his presence, I'm emphasizing the corporate presence of God that we sense when we gather here in the room. And those of us who are hoping we can get it to you virtually, it's harder that way. And we, uh, we're encouraging everyone to come when they can and, and when they feel safe enough to do that. But as we kind of emphasize the Sunday morning uh, corporate presence of God, like the water cycle, and we read about it, this, uh, sang about it this morning, is the reign of God. When God comes in his presence amongst his people, the, the scriptures talk about it as rain. 
and it would rain down. God's presence would rain down, and he, would, he saturates us. And so that as we come into God's presence on Sundays, we come to our, the weekend services together, we are praying and believing for more rain. I don't know about you, but I'm a little dry, and I'm a whole lot thirsty for more of God. And so we are praying in our services and those that are watching online that we would begin to sense more and more of his presence. Now, having said that, that's not the only time we access the, the water of God's presence that causes us to grow causes us to be alive, causes us to sense his, his presence in us and for us. And Sunday's not the only time, obviously, that that happens. But what I'm suggesting is that's the day it rains. That's the day there's precipitation. There's a manifestation of God's presence and the Holy Spirit's work amongst his people that doesn't happen when we're alone. Now, that doesn't mean it's it's, it's better on Sunday, or we don't need uh, what happens during the week. No, we need it all. You need the whole water cycle. You need the water to go into the ground. You need it to percolate through, to be gathered in streams, to have a flow in the streams, uh, to make it back to the ocean, and to happen again. And so you might say, so if we're looking at the uh, Holy Spirit cycle, water cycle of his presence, where does it start? Where does it stop? It doesn't start. It doesn't stop. It's a perpetual cycle. But just like you did in school, to understand it, we draw a picture and we start. And we're starting to look at our corporate gatherings and how the reign of God, and we're expecting it to happen more and more, and then it would affect us more and more, and then in our personal lives, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there's a flow through our lives, and we come back together, and the cycle's completed. So I hope you're following with me this morning uh, for the purpose uh, of what we're doing. It's all of the time, but we're focusing on the importance of his manifest presence. Today, I want to look at the peace of his presence. We'll look at different aspects throughout this month, the peace of his presence. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read 23 to 26. Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? And then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Lord, we ask that you would help us understand these things. Lord, help us be all that you've called us to be and do. In Jesus' name today, and everybody said, everybody's texting online, A-M-E-N. Good. All right. Amen. This is one of my favorite stories uh, here in the New Testament, and I've preached from it many times. Uh, I've read it for my own personal life in God, and, and uh, I want to look at it one more time today as we look at this together. I want you to see that as Jesus is getting ready uh, for this trip in a boat, he sends his disciples on ahead of him. Uh, you know how you do that with your kids? You're all ready for the trip. You're all packed up, and uh, the kids are running around. So what do you say to the kids? You say, get into the car, right? Get in the car, which is code for I don't want you, I don't want to wait for you. I don't want to wait for, you know, we're ready to go. Get in the car. <laughs> it means everything's ready to go. Say ready. 
All right, we're ready. And so Jesus says to his disciples, get into the boat. And he's having a conversation with the multitudes at this time. And uh, there's, a, um, there's a gentleman uh, that speaks to Jesus about wanting to be a follower. Now, I want to point out this morning, there are a lot of different ways to follow Jesus. We don't want to follow out of religious duty. We don't want to follow out of religious obligation. We want to follow and be followers of Jesus who are impacted by the personal relationship that we have with him through the Holy Spirit and meeting with him and sensing and knowing his presence. We want to be people of the Holy Spirit. We want to be Christ followers who understand the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I want to back up a few verses. Let's put the disciples in the boat. They're in the car ready to go. But let's back up a couple of verses, and we read this in verse 18. When Jesus saw the multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. And then a a certain scribe came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay or to rest, to rest his head. So disciples are in the car ready to go. I want to focus on this man who the Bible tells us is a scribe. He's, a, um, he's an expert of the law, a lawyer, so to speak. And he's an expert of the Jewish traditions and the Jewish laws, uh, not only the Ten Commandments, but all of the laws that the scribes and Pharisees over uh, the centuries since the writing of Leviticus and the Old Testament, that they just kind of kept building on that and adding things and, and uh, just putting the yoke of slavery, the yoke of the law on people's shoulders and around their necks. And so Matthew identifies that a man says, hey, Jesus, I want to be a follower too. I want to go on the trip too. And in fact, I'll follow you wherever you go. Have you ever met somebody that's just eager to follow the rules? He's basically saying, because he, remember, he's a lawyer. He's an expert in the law. Whatever you say, Jesus, I'll do it. I'm committed. I'm going to be a committed Christ follower. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you wherever you go. And it sounds really good. And yet Jesus doesn't accept um, what he's saying. He doesn't go in the boat that day as far as we know. Instead, Jesus says to him, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, I've heard this preached in my life many times, and typically what I've heard preached about this particular scripture is that what Jesus is really saying to the scribe is count the cost of discipleship. This is a hard road that you're going to have to hoe. This is a hard road to hoe. This is a hard road to walk on. By the way, even the birds and the animals have possessions, but Jesus is a wanderer and a homeless beggar, and you need to be a wanderer and a homeless beggar too and have no possessions. This is a hard life. Count the cost. If you really want to follow Jesus in this horrible life of his, come on and be a part. That's how I've kind of heard it taught. But if you teach it that way, you miss the whole intent of the life of God and the New Testament and the joy. And by the way, Jesus had possessions. In fact, Jesus did have a house. They cut a hole in the roof of it in Bethany and lowered a guy down that was a paralytic. You can read about that in the New Testament. 
And so Jesus is not saying, suck it up, live a hard life if you're following me. Then what is he saying to the scribe? It's interesting. He says, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Foxes have a place to return to at the end of the day. Birds, when they're out and they're doing their thing, but they're having their eggs and their little ones and their family time, they have a place to have family time. The foxes have a place to have family time, and the birds have a place to have family time, but the Son of Man, he wants a place to have family time too. I want a place, Jesus said, to have family time. He was actually correcting a mentality in the scribe who was saying, I know how to follow you. It's boring. It's law-centered. I, I, will go with, I, I, will, I will do whatever horrible things you tell me to do, and in the name of following, I'll do it. Jesus said, no, this is a family. My Father who's in heaven, hallowed be his name. His kingdom come. His will be done. Come on, somebody. Jesus was saying, I want a place to come to that I can call family here on the earth. He was saying that amongst Christ followers, the ones who were in the boat, in the car waiting for him to come, <laughs> he was saying, I'm looking for a place to rest, to rest. Important word, rest my head. I want to be a part of a family here on the earth. We, we see the same sentiment in the Old Testament. In, uh, uh, in Acts chapter uh, six, or excuse me, seven, Stephen is preaching his last sermon. He'll actually be martyred after this sermon in Acts chapter seven. And he's rehearsing Jewish history. And in that rehearsal, he says, Solomon built him, built God, a house. The greatest, one of the seven wonders of the world, Solomon built, of the ancient world, Solomon built God a house, a temple. However, the most high does not dwell in temples made with what? Made with? That's important. God doesn't rest. His presence doesn't come and rest. He doesn't come and abide. John said, come, Jesus said, abide with me and I'll abide with you. The longing of his heart with his followers. I want a place to come to and live and live. All right? So, he, um, so it's made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne, it's God speaking, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build with, for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my, say it, rest? That word is a very crucial word for us today. Jesus said there's nowhere for me to rest my head. Remember when the Holy Spirit came, we looked at it uh, in the weeks before, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts and birth the church, and birth what is supposed to be a normal experience in church life, the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came to rest on each one of them as cloven tongues of fire. Rest, rest, an abiding. Uh, it talks of authority. It talks about God's power and his being and his presence. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What is the house you'll build for me, says the Lord, where is the place? He's asking the question like Jesus was to the scribe. Where is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? We've got man's hands trying to build something for God. We've got God's hands. We've got man working, working, working to try to, try to somehow get God to come to his works. And we've got 
the Holy Spirit working. The Bible says, know you not that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that God did a work in you and God did a work in me. You couldn't have done any work to cause the presence of God to come into your life. That happened because God did a work. Come on, somebody. God did a work with his hands in your life and in my life. And so the scriptures are asking the question, who did this? Did I do it or did God do it? And so when we're talking about his presence, we're talking about life in the spirit, it has to be based, the foundation of Jesus living, abiding, and being with us every day by his spirit is the work of God, God's hands. Say God's hands. Ah, but we get our hands in this, don't we? Don't we get our hands into this stuff? The scribe was saying, hey, give me the law, and I'll, he was he was working from the blueprint of the law, saying to Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. All right, let's catch up with the disciples. I needed to kind of give you that context so that you understand the invitation to a life by the Holy Spirit and in his presence, today the, the peace of his presence, in order to really live in that and practice that and know it and understand it, it has to be God's work, not yours, not mine. All right, here we go. It says in 2 Corinthians, Paul dealt with the same people trying to work, people trying to work, try, people trying to work it out. It says, uh, it says this, I love this verse. He, Jesus, is the one who has helped us tell others about his new agreement to save them. So Jesus is helping us tell others. Say others. Come on, we're about the others that don't know him yet. We do not tell them that they must obey every law of God or die. That's not the content of the preaching here. You must obey the law or you will die. You will die and you will go to hell. I believe hell is a reality. I'm making an emphasis. There's still a lot of people today preaching contrary to what Paul taught and are preaching you must keep the whole law. You're a Christian now. You better get it right. You better do it right. You better work harder. You better work longer. Here's the rule list. Get it done, and if you do, you will live. And yet that is so contrary, and Paul said no. Paul said this. We, we don't preach that, although there are people, unfortunately, preaching that kind of a message. We do not tell them they must obey every law of God or die, but we tell them that there is life for them from the Holy Spirit. The old way, trying to be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments, at that ends in death. There is a new way. The Holy Spirit gives life. Come on, how many want a new way? I want a new way. Come on, I want to keep living in grace, keep operating in grace, and in the message of his, his hands, his work. All right. <laughs> I think I've made the point. Disciples, now let's fast forward to them. They're in the boat, and they set out, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so the boat was covered with waves. Suddenly, suddenly. I don't know about you, but I've had some suddenlies in my life. I've had some storms that I wasn't expecting. You maybe have a suddenly, if you're watching today online, and you, you have a diagnosis that the doctors have just given you suddenly. It's not something you expected, not something you were counting on, not something you ever thought would be a part of your life. Suddenly, a lost loved one as we prayed for someone today. Suddenly, a worldwide pandemic. Come on. 
Nobody was counting on that. Nobody thought that would ever take place. And that we're living in a life that's so different than it was yesterday and the day before and last month and last year. Suddenly, suddenly, there was a great tempest, a huge storm. I told you a story. I'll just rehearse it quickly again today that uh, a number of years ago, uh, my, uh, Christine and I and, and uh, Seth and Aaron were on a small Starcraft uh, leisure boat with Andrew and Brittany and, uh, and their children. And uh, we went on the St. Lawrence, and it was a little choppy that day, a little bit of chop. And uh, Andrew was learning to be a captain of a boat. And uh, so we were all really, in that sense, novices. And, uh, and so uh, others have said since that chop means danger. But it wasn't dangerous when we were there, so we thought we were okay. Danger was coming, though. <laughs> and uh, there was a suddenly that day, those, that chop turned into white caps and began, um, began to come over the top of the bow of that little Starcraft. And, um, and so it w- we were going up a wave and down, and the front end of the boat was actually plunging underwater, taking on water. I was terrified. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified. I, I, was, I was sure that I should get on my phone and text somebody or phone somebody and said, I love you, and uh, if I never see you again. Kind of one of those, kind of one of those moments. I, I, really, was, I really was terrified. And uh, Andrew uh, managed to get the boat up planing over top of the white caps. And so we all, there wasn't a lot, there was not a lot of talking, just the roar of the motor, the wind blowing in our face, the storm was beginning to stir on the St. Lawrence that day. And I had my granddaughter Charlotte on my lap, but I had one arm around her. She had her, we all had life jackets, of course. And I had one arm around her, and I was white knuckling it on the grab bar beside my chair. And all of a sudden, this little voice, Papa! Papa, Papa, and I look down. I go, yes, Charlotte, Papa, I can't breathe. You're squeezing me too hard. And I didn't realize I was white-knuckling her as well. I was terrified. When we got to land, I literally began to cry as my feet touched the ground. This suddenly, this tempest is way worse than anything that could have ever happened in St. Lawrence uh, as they're out on the sea that day. And uh, I want you to think about this for a minute. These are veteran sailors. These are not people that are novices. These are not people that are trying to figure it out. These are veteran uh, sailors that have faced many, many, many storms. And yet the Bible says it was a suddenly for them. Say suddenly. We're all going to face suddenlies in our life, something that comes into our life, into our world. We weren't expecting it. It's going to turn it upside down and cause the opposite of peace to be in our world at that moment. I want you to see and think about a lesson that they can teach us today at their expense as we, wa- as we walk this through the rest of this passage at their expense. When you're a veteran sailor, you're going to do a lot of things before you give up that you're going down with the ship. You're going to work hard with your hands as a sailor because you're used to this. You're a veteran. You know what to do. Say, I know what to do. Famous last words of all of us. I know how to work this out. I know how to put my hands to this. I know how to get busy and get out of this mess. I know how to do that. And the disciples would have gotten on the oars that that day. They would have set the sails a little differently that day. They would have turned the boat into the They would have done all of the things that they knew to do 
to get out of that predicament, to get out of there suddenly. Knowing a little bit about difficulty is our greatest enemy. Listen to me now. Because like the disciples, if you live, and too many of us live in a level of stress and of turmoil and of chaos and anxiety and things feeling like they're spinning out of control as if the world turned the volume up louder, louder, louder. It just seems like our life is just screaming. And yet we still take our hands and we try to build something. We try to fix something. We try to get busy. Come on, listen to me this morning. We're all guilty of this, but we're going to be reminded today of the peace of his presence. The disciples that day took some time, took some time. I don't know how much time, but they took some time working with their own hands before they went seeking the one who had the greatest hands, have the greatest work, has the miracle power, has the peace, has everything they needed at that moment. The Bible says, then, then the disciples came to him. I have an important question for you today. I'm asking myself the same question. I've been asking it all week as I've been getting ready for today. When is your then? When is your then? When do you stop from your own works and your own striving, and when do you make the decision to go find Jesus in your situation, to bring peace into your world, to bring peace as a person, by the way, his name is Jesus, to bring his presence, to bring his power, to bring his miracles into your suddenly. When is your then? Then the disciples came to him. Usually it's when we get to the end of our own strength. Usually, it's after our hands are tired of working. Usually, and I'm sad to say, I, I was talking to a, a veteran Christian, a, a hero of the faith that, that I respect so much. And he's facing a diagnosis in his family. His family, a family member has cancer. And they're laboring through that in the sense of the weight, the weight of a diagnosis. And they're doing well. But I remember having a co- phone conversation one day. He began to cry and say, and said to me, I've repented of every sin I can think of. I'm fasting and I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord, why? Why are we not seeing healing? Have we done something wrong? Or, God, do you not care about us in this moment? And the human mind goes to those places. And I remember that day just encouraging my friend by saying, you haven't done anything to deserve cancer. You have not done anything wrong. There is nothing in what you're doing wrong about waiting on God in the time of your suddenly. But what you are doing wrong is working with your hands, trying to figure out what you did wrong to somehow deserve the season that you're in. Storms come and storms will go. We, didn't, we don't deserve them. They're not of our making. We live in a sinful world. We live in a place where there are storms, and storms happen. Before the fall, before mankind walked away from God, it was a perfect paradise. There weren't storms. There wasn't sickness. There wasn't all of the things that the doorway of rebellion and sin allowed to enter into, into creation itself. And now as Christ followers, we live in this world trusting him in the time of our suddenly. When is your then? When is your then? Well, they come to Jesus. 
And it says he was uh, in the stern. I'm reading from Mark's account of this. He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. (laughs) He was in the stern. He wasn't on deck with them. He was down below. Say below. He was separated from them. He was separated from them. He was separated from them. He was in the stern. And I love Mark. I read from Mark because Mark, Mark's so dramatic, it isn't, it isn't funny. Mark always writes and speaks with as much drama and flair as possible. Look at the effect. He was in the stern, asleep, on a pillow. <laughs> Doesn't that just say it all? Sometimes our response is exactly the same as I just shared with a close friend of mine or I, I've acted the exact same way. How many times when Jesus' intervention isn't obvious to us, or worse, we feel separated, separated like he's afar off. They talk about it at church, but I'm not experiencing it right now. We feel separated from him. He's somewhere, he's somewhere, and they tell me he's here, he's omnipresent, he's all, he's all places at once, and so by faith I know he's here, but I feel separated. How how many would be honest today and say you've gone through a season of suddenly where you felt separated from the presence of God? Can I see your hand online today? Isn't isn't this real? We've all gone through this. I want to bring some hope. I want to show you this. I want to show you this principle today of practicing his presence and learning, learning what to do in those moments because they happen. They happen to us. He's somewhere here, but I don't know where. And they go looking for him. And when they find him, they ask him this question. They wake him up, and they ask this question. Don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care? God, do you you not care about me right now? Do you not care we're in a worldwide pandemic? The people that put in requests today and said, man, this is hard. Does God care about this? It's the question of the human heart. A human heart that's in a suddenly, a human heart that feels separated from his presence. The human heart's response that Jesus can listen to today. But as I think, they shouted. They had to shout over top of the storm that day to wake him up. I think the roar of that storm and the wind and the raging of the waves beating on their lives. We're talking today about the peace of his presence and practicing his presence. The opposite of peace. The opposite. Are you in peace today? Are are you in peace? Do you have peace in your life? Conflict, war, hostility, animosity, disagreement, opposition, confrontation, fear, and anxiety. Sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? Things that we face at work, things that we face in our relationships, the opposite of peace. And all of these circumstances, these things that come into our life, want you to live, to live, breathe air. The Bible says in him we live and have our being. But these things want you to live on deck in the midst of the loud screaming and turmoil and anxiousness of life. They want you to live there separated from peace. Now watch what happens. I don't believe that Jesus was somehow, you know, while he was teaching them something and that he's kind of peeking out one eye waiting for the disciples to get it right and come wake him up. He had just finished ministering, and in his humanity, he's exhausted. 
He's exhausted. He fell asleep. You've had that happen where you're just so tired. You said something like, even an earthquake wouldn't have woke me up. Well, even a, Matthew called this a sea quake. Didn't wake up Jesus. And Jesus is both in this story, he's all man, he's a human, but he's also all God. Now, I want you to think about when we talk about all God, omnipresent, God, we know God is everywhere at one time, and by faith, I know that I approach God and he's there with me. But there are moments where we need to know that he's here with me, <laughs> tangibly, his presence. I'm talking about practicing his presence, learning to be a people that you can find space and find a place to awaken, listen to me now, to awaken peace and bring peace into your world. Peace is a person. To awaken peace, not that God's asleep, but shifting from, I know he's here, but I feel separated. I know it's real, but I can't sense him right now. And instead of living in the turmoil of the moment, people who practice his presence can very quickly come to a place even in the midst of the storm and can awaken peace to come into their world. And it's awakening the presence of God to come. Not that his presence is sleeping, but the humanity in us is sleeping and we need to understand that we have to intentionally, listen now, when you're separated from peace, when you're separated from peace, when you're separated from peace, bring peace back into your world. You have to bring his presence back in to your world. They were working with their hands. Jesus said, let me now work with mine. Then he arose. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, peace be still which is in the kind of paraphrase, Jesus stood and said, shut up, wind! And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Even if the wind were to stop, the great miracle of this isn't just that the wind stopped. That would be a great miracle. But the waves under the momentum of the wind stopped instantaneously. It was an instant calm Mark calls it a great calm. All the gospel writers called it a great calm. Literally, listen now, listen, listen online, listen, a loud calm. That the peace, the calm was louder than the storm. I don't know if you got that. Have you ever heard someone say the silence is deafening? That's the, I, it's so, the, the silence is so loud. That's what the scriptures are saying. That his peace at that moment, his presence at that moment on the ship in the storm was louder than the storm itself. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I wonder if the team could come up and get ready behind me. We're going to transition our service. Thank you for allowing me to go a few minutes longer today. And I know that's difficult, uh, especially online, and we're trying to be sensitive to that. Uh, but just, if you could just a moment or two more, just really stay with me as we bring this to a culmination this morning. Why are you so fearful? Why is it that your faith is all leaked out? It was a rhetorical question. He wasn't angry at them. He was showing them, when you live, the longer you live separated from peace and in the turmoil of the storm, 
The longer you work with your own hands and in your own strength, like the scribe, or like people that say somehow I'll just go, there's nothing wrong with fasting and praying. There's nothing wrong with having the Lord examine our heart. Nothing wrong with those things. But when we begin to do those things, or we begin to do all of the things that try to fix our problem, we are literally separating ourselves from the one who's saying, I want to come and abide with you right now. I want to come and be with you right now. He's saying, why, are you, why did fear overtake you? You were separated from peace. Here I am. Why did faith leak out your toes and you felt like you had none left? Because you were separated from peace. We want to bring peace. One of the most tangible signs of Jesus' presence. I've had people say, how do you know? Uh, Frank a moment ago said, Jesus, Jesus is here today. And if you're looking around, I don't see him. How, how do you know he's here? One of the first and foremost tangible examples of I, I was in God's presence today is an overwhelming sense of peace in our lives. You've experienced it. I, I've experienced it. Some of you that have been in worship and you just got emotional, started crying, and you said, I don't know why I cry during worship. We say, I don't know why either. Just let it happen. And after that comes out, what, what do you feel? What do you sense? What do you know? Peace. How about you've come forward for prayer and somebody has agreed with you in prayer and, and, and you can't quite put it all together, but the Bible describes a peace that passes understanding. It bypasses the brain. It gets into your heart and spirit. Somebody prays a prayer in a way that resonates in your spirit and you go, I don't know what the doctors have said and I don't know what's going to happen next. All I know is I know who I have believed and he is able to keep me until that day. Peace. It's the most tangible sign of his prayer. You've been in a, in a message like this, and something has resonated, and it's as if I stopped talking. But as I keep on talking, you've heard the Holy Spirit talk to you, and you're like, I know the answer now. I know what I need to do. I know where I need to be. Peace. We want to practice that peace. Jesus said, I've told you all of this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured. How? Why? Deeply at peace. In this godless world, and he's saying where sin still, the world's broken. It doesn't work the way God created it. And until the new heavens and the new earth come, and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, he said in this godless world, you will continue to experience suddenly difficulties. But take heart. I've conquered the world. I can step on your boat. Don't just, don't just live. It's powerful that he's everywhere at one time. But you don't have to live separated with him, separated from you. Let's practice his presence. We come on Sundays. We dig in. We worship wholeheartedly. Why? Because we're praying for rain. God, let it rain. I want to experience your peace today. And then I want to take it out Monday, Tuesday. Honey, come and join me here for a second. It says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule your heart. Psalm 29.11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace, with peace. This final thought, peace empowers us to live a life that is untroubled and full of rest. Not without trouble, just trouble isn't troubling you and separating you from peace. Fear is not allowed and anxiety is rejected. 
we've had some times in our lives when suddenly have come, and, uh, and, and you'll do this often where you'll disappear into a hot bath. And I'm like, didn't you just have a hot bath? And, and, uh, and so you disappear. And why, why, why do you, just, just that's real practical. Why do you do that? And what is, what's happening, not when you're actually having the hot bath, but when you're inviting peace into your world? Just share a little bit about that. I think for me, it's, it's a time that I can get away from the noise, the noise around me, the noise in our house, the noise in our, in our lives. And that's where I can escape, put my headphones on. And that is a time where I really just connect with Jesus. So your headphones are on, and what's in the headphones? Yeah, worshiping, yeah. practicing his presence. You're practicing it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're in it. And I wonder if we could stand this morning. We're going we're gonna to just shift and close. And again, thank you. Uh, I've gone really over our allotted time, and, and I'm just stating that because that's not going to be a usual thing. But I just wanted to push this through today, and I thought it was super important to do that. We're going to close in prayer today. Honey, there are so many people in their suddenlies right now. Let's just pray as we close this service. Just pray for them that they would sense and know the peace that passes understanding today. If that's you today, just raise your hands to him in a way. If you're online today, just just take a moment right now to say, peace, Jesus, come into my world. Let's pray for that right now. Father, we just pray for suddenlies right now, God. Father, it may be more than one suddenly, but God, we pray, Jesus, that those will be able to connect with you. Right now. God, and when those suddenlies come, that wherever they have to go or whatever they have to do, God, that they can escape to be with you, Jesus, to hear you, to touch you, to speak to you and just to rest in you, Jesus. Father, when suddenlies come, that they know that there is someone that will go through that suddenly. And Father, that you will hold their hand, God. But most importantly, Father, that they can just connect Hear your voice, Jesus. Feel your touch, Jesus. And just feel your spirit, Father, that you are there, God. I pray for that one this morning, God, that is looking for you for there suddenly right now, God, that they will not say, this is it. This is the end. This, I can't. Yes, you can. You just have to find that place where you can connect, where your spirit can touch the heavenly father's spirit. And together you will connect and you will say, ah, there you are. I feel the peace now. I feel your hands, Jesus, wrapped around me and telling me, I can do this. And I will do this with you, Father. With you beside me, we can do this together. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one and the only one that we can get through our suddenly and make it to the other side where we said, I made it. Yes. I survived it. Yes. I did it. Come on. God, because you are the God of suddenly. Suddenly, yeah. And you saw it before we even knew it was coming, God. That's right. And all we have to say is, Father, can you meet me here in this place? Yes, Lord. And help me. Yes, Lord. Lord, we awaken peace all through this place right now. We awaken peace in the individual hearts. We awaken peace for those that are watching. Lord, we pray right now that peace, your presence, that passes understanding, would be the portion of every single person we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just a few things. Uh, If you have a prayer request this morning, please email, text us, or leave um, a voicemail. But... 
please connect with someone this morning. If you are in your suddenly and you need prayer this morning, the number's on the screen. If you're watching online, please um, just reach out in any way you can, but make sure you just reach out and ask for help because, you know, there are so many people that want to stand with you this morning. If you have... um, Want to give your, te- your tithes and offerings this morning? There's two ways you can do that. You can drop it on the, on the drop box on the way out, or you can text any amount to 84321. Please remember to register for next week. Of course, we're full this morning, and we tend to be full every Sunday. So make sure you go online to hcfcormal.ca slash register and register for next week. Um, overflow downstairs is available. So if you don't get into the main auditorium, there is overflow downstairs. So register for that as well. Um, That is because we have limited seating. Because of our pandemic that we're in right now, we just need to remain our social distancing to keep everybody safe. Also, make sure you watch your emails and your... um, your texts. There's all kinds of stuff constantly going out from the church for updates and everything. Social media, there's always stuff going out. So make sure you're keeping your eye there. We are a church that loves to connect. We are a church that loves to be together. And we are a church that love each other. So we'll see you next week. We love you all and be blessed.